0: Welcome back to Blazing Trails. I'm your host, Michael Revo from Salesforce Studios. Today, we're speaking with Megan Atkinson. She's the Director of Sustainability and Regulatory Affairs at Crowley, one of the largest owned and operated logistics, government, marine, and energy solutions companies in the U.S. Crowley is committing to reaching net zero emissions across scopes one, two, and three by 2050 in an effort to fight climate change. And we'll be joined by Kevin Vrains. He's a senior director of product management on the net zero cloud here at Salesforce. Welcome to the show, Megan and Kevin.
1: Hello, everybody. It's good to be here.
0: And Megan, welcome to Blazing Trails.
2: So happy to be here.
0: Megan, tell me about Crowley's journey to net zero. How did sustainability become as important as it is? And I'm I'm just curious what that process looked like inside the company as in the business you're in, it's it's a there are huge impacts and across a, a very large supply chain. How has sustainability changed as a priority for the company over these past years?
2: Yeah, thanks, Michael. So the Crowley has really enhanced its efforts uh, broadly across the company to focus on sustainability and, and being an industry leader. And really, the true change has been in the last year. Um, Crowley has began defining its sustainability journey early in 2021 and conducted our first materiality assessments. And through that materiality assessment, you know, we really heard from all of our stakeholders and employees that greenhouse gas emissions was front and center, the most important environmental issue that they felt was critical to to Crowley's business. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, so then Crowley moved to really set the most ambitious greenhouse gas goal in the industry with with a net zero goal by 2050 across all scopes. And -hmm. what really makes that unique is that it is across all scopes. So scope one emissions are those operational emissions that are directly controlled by Crowley. Fuel that's burned in a in a ship. Scope two emissions are those that are associated with the energy produced through utilities and power to so Crowley's kind of land based infrastructure. And scope three is the upstream and downstream value chain for all of Crowley's activities. So, you don't see a lot of net zero goals that are that broad and across across all of those activities. So And, and then beyond the net zero goal, I think it's important to note that Crowley is committed to the science-based targets initiative to really move the needle on emissions by 2030 and not just in the long term. And we're in the beginning processes of defining what that's going to look like now.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are ambitious goals and particularly a scope three, as I've learned more about this, understanding the breadth of that. It's a ton of data. It's lots of partners. It's a, it's complicated for sure. And Kevin, that's where I want to bring you into the conversation, which is what role does Salesforce play, the tools we're making, et cetera? Mm-hmm. Uh, where, do, where do we fit in this partnership with Crowley and other companies like it?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, Salesforce play is kind of start to finish in this um so starting with the net zero cloud product right so net zero cloud is built on the core salesforce crm platform which means it's integrated with everything else that salesforce already does but within the net zero cloud product we focus on scope one scope two scope three carbon emissions of course even before that you focus on we focus on the the energy use data that comes in that you use to calculate those carbon emissions so we've been doing scope one scope two very thoroughly from the very beginning of the product uh, we, we also started with pretty comprehensive business travel scope three and a little bit of other scope three, and then since expanded to covering almost all of the upstream scope three, and then a good bit of the downstream scope three. And then as we go forward, we're really focused on getting all of the scope three.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I'm curious about the, the supply chain relationships where how are, companies looking at each other in terms of this reporting and the transparent, the newer transparency around that as part of RFP processes, et cetera. Megan, is that something that you're looking at?
2: Yeah, that's something all of our customers are requesting and really need at this point. They want to know what our partnerships are. They want to know how we're reporting. They want to know that they can get the data that they need because our scope one is our customer scope three emissions. And right. so, you know, being able to provide that level of transparency is a big reason for the partnership.
0: And is that new? You know, I'm, I'm curious about in particular, you know, where you sit working with so many different companies, I'm, I'm guessing it is part of transportation and, and logistics, have you seen that increasing? What, what's the energy around the desire to have that data from your customers?
2: Yeah, it's increasing exponentially. So, you know, while well, 10 or 15 years ago, you might have had those companies that are really on the leading edge of sustainability, trying to look for this data, maybe even trying to calculate it themselves. Today, you see that much more broadly across really every segment of, of our customer base.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Is there a particular customer or story that you can recall of that making a big difference in a contract or a relationship with a company of being able to provide that data
2: so being able to provide that data has become table stakes for so many contracts and we are even seeing some companies push for emissions reductions as part of the, the contract negotiation process so you know having new business for Crowley you know come through the sustainability team I know is a new experience broadly across the organization <laughs> so um, you know because c- the the questions from Crowley's leaders and business partners is always you know can we do this? You know, can we support our customers in this way? And and we have to, right?
0: Right. So that takes us to how do we do this, which is which is a big challenge when you think about that. Kevin, can you talk about sort of some of the product development and how we're thinking about the capture of all these different data to pull that together and make that reportable and usable.
1: Yeah. And I mean, even before we talk about that, I mean, I think what's fascinating about this is, as Megan said, this has become table stakes, how fast it became table stakes. This was not a thing, probably 12 or maybe definitely not 24 months ago. This was not a thing that most vast majority of companies were doing. And all of a sudden, it's a thing that a lot of them are doing. Salesforce as a company gets the same request that Megan's getting from Crowley's uh, suppliers every single day, right? And how much? What's our what's our portion of your scope three emissions, right? Um, so we have tools within Net Zero Cloud that do that. Um, and really, what we're focused on is how do you get the so the accurate um, carbon emissions data from your supply chain, from your from your what we call your value chain or your suppliers and your vendors. There's different ways to talk about it. But you start with a uh, so an overall estimation process. You use what we call a spend-based methodology or a procurement-based methodology where you say, I know exactly how much money I'm spending as a company in each of these different categories. I'm going to use that to estimate my carbon emissions in each of those different spending categories. And that's just oh. the first step. But then once you've done that, you can then stack rank your suppliers by carbon emissions. But again, that's just an estimate. So then you take to the next step. Okay, I've got my top... 10 or my top 50 or my top 200 suppliers by carbon emissions, I'm then going to interact with them directly. And I'm going to engage them directly and get more detailed numbers, more granular numbers from them. I'm then going to enter them into Net Zero Cloud and allocate those emissions to my scope three profile um, more accurately and more thoroughly. And so we walk users out through those steps. We've vastly simplified that process for our users. So this was this was a process that was really taking months and months and months of spreadsheet work and consultant time to to pull this off in the last couple of years. And you know we've automated it quite a bit. And then on the back end of that, you get data visualization. So once you've done all that, we have a set of sophisticated visualizations and dashboards where you can see all the, the results of that analysis. Mm-hmm.
0: And Megan, I understand that Crowley has more than 100 sustainability KPIs which is a lot, or at least that's, I, I had read that somewhere. Is that accurate?
2: Well, so uh, Crowley is really, I, I'd say the beginning of our, of our sustainability journey. And so we are, you know, we have developed uh, goals around uh, greenhouse gases, as you know, um, and are working to develop goals around uh, other priority material uh, issues really working hard to put all of that together in our first sustainability report that will be published uh, next month in in June. Um, We worked to align that report with the global reporting initiative uh, methodology. And, you know, we expect that to be an annual process and an iterative process that really allows us to develop more KPIs over time. So, by using this tool, we are able to make better decisions and we're able to uh, get to data much with much more agility and anticipate that that will lead us to being able to develop these, these kinds of critical KPIs as we move forward.
0: Mm-hmm. How do we measure that carbon impact beyond this is the right thing to do and make it a true business Initiative which is really going to get this flywheel going of, of, of change. What
1: are your thoughts there? Well, I think, you know, there's technology problems and then there's human problems, right? So part of this can be solved through technology, but a lot of this has to be an in internal alignment, which I think is something Megan's doing on a daily basis. It sounds like it's happening in every company <laughs> at this point, right? right. So um, the technology and the, and the data analysis and the data results can inform that, that decision-making process. But, you know, for instance, you can't go to your C-suite, you can't go to your board and make the case of, we want to spend more money in order to get less carbon emissions if you don't have the data and the visualizations to back it up. Right. Right. So it's got to start there.
0: Yeah. And so, Megan, how are you seeing the impact of the reporting that you've done so far? What's the feeling and what's the result in those meetings? Have you seen that change? How have you seen the responses to the data that you're
2: presenting? So, you know, just as the needs of our customers have increased exponentially, you know, so has uh, the needs of of senior leaders making these decisions about what fuels are we going to use in the short term? Um, what alternate propulsion technologies are are we going to invest in, or partner with others to invest in in the long term? And I think, you know, having the data that that supports what those alternative scenarios could could look like is is a future state for us to provide that level of detail to the folks within our organization who can make those changes but also to find those partners externally that can help with investment and finding the right solutions, both in terms of fuels and further down the line, those, those other technologies that are going to propel goods around the world.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. So shifting gears a little bit to how we can get this data, which I imagine is really complicated. And Crowley has a lot of systems and legacy systems I'm assuming and data from many different sources. How are you pulling that together right now?
2: Well, so prior to implementation of Net Zero Cloud, this was the full-time job of, of a manager for more than half the year. But that data is just is just so enormous, right? So it did take the the full-time efforts of full-time manager and then she was, you know, heavily supported by interns as well and, you know, relying on interns to to yeah, generate and pull together and and then, you know, is that data accurate and is it mm-hmm. is it complete? And so, you know, post tool implementation, we really expect that the Inventory will largely take care of itself and mm-hmm. that provides the, the bandwidth for our team to do more to support the business and not just be a calculator.
0: Right, right. So Kevin, can you give me an overview of the product implementation of, of how it plugs into Salesforce, of how Net Zero Cloud can be a part of the CRM and simplify, uh, you know, as Megan's talking about?
1: Yeah, there's there's a lot of things to pick apart there. I mean, to go back a bit to the data collection question, you know, what we see across customers is that the data is coming from all over the place, just as you said, Michael. So um, that could, sometimes it's stored in ERP systems, and sometimes it's stored in utility billing collection systems. Sometimes none of the above. You know, so there are companies that do surveys. They send surveys out to remote site managers and ask the remote site managers, "Can you please grab the July?" utility bill. And can you tell me, you know, what, how many kilowatt hours were in the, you know, what was the start date and the end date of the billing cycle? And yeah. you know, that's happening quite a bit. And mm-hmm. so then, you know, the utility in the sustainability manager might get that data, put it in a spreadsheet, clean it up and then upload it into net zero cloud. There's, there's all, all sorts of, of ways to get this data in and, and, um, some of it not very pretty, right. <laughs> but there are mm-hmm. definitely integration technologies out there that that make it a bit better, you know, the nice thing about a product like Net Zero Cloud and how we built it is we built it into a core CRM system. It turns out that a CRM system actually is is actually really well suited for this process because it's not just a data collection process. It's a kind of a workflow management process. It's a approval process. There's a staging process, um, an auditing process, so we can bring the auditors right into Net Zero Cloud. And since a system like Salesforce is relatively straightforward and pretty simple for end users to learn how to use overall as a platform, it actually works pretty well to build a complicated accounting app on it. Um, That said, what's interesting is it ends up looking a bit like an ERP system, which um, for CRM traditionalists, they think, you know, there's CRM and then there's ERP and they're completely different things, doing different things. and. You know, our, our app ends up kind of blending the two and becoming a bit of an ERP system built on CRM. But at the end of the day, what you can then do with it is you can link carbon emissions to accounts. You know, you can link carbon emissions to sales opportunities and to product cases and to, you know, product lifecycle and all sorts of things that you generally do in CRM and have been doing in CRM for decades. You can now start to link sustainability metrics to those those pieces of business data e- easily, right? hmm
0: And then, you know, it makes me think about a future state where that data is flowing much more smoothly and freely between these different systems. We have an open API with the ability to connect to different systems. What is that future state when you look at what the transparency and reporting and everything that's going to be required as we move on the sustainability journey is going to look like where that data is flowing? How how is that going to
1: happen? Yeah, the future state really is direct integrations between a lot of different systems. And some of those integrations exist now, um, but they're still fairly early stage for this universe. Um, but yeah, future state is that. But plus, you know, going back to some of the things we were talking about earlier around supply chain, around data sharing, around supply chain, you know, if you think about um, a company that's reporting in as a supplier to Crowley, and then that same company maybe has to report into one of Crowley's competitors or peers in the industry, and maybe yeah. three or four others, they don't want to have to do that process six or seven different times for six or seven right. different Crowley's, right? They want to say, "Hey Crowley, we already have this this data just published and uploaded. Like, just grab that data from from the central portal." So that's definitely yeah. part of the the future here, too.
0: And do we see that as a sort of standards based system that's going to exist outside of individual company systems? Is what's happening on that? Is well, that, ideally, is there an effort towards that.
1: Yeah, ideally, yes. But, um, you know, it's interesting. This this world is replete with standards. And for most of the, the time, over the last 20 to 25 years, it's been voluntary standards, um, still largely voluntary standard based. Um, the, yeah, the, the, you know, the, the jury's out on that still. I mean, even as the SEC requires a reporting and then the UK government, the EU, Australian, New Zealand governments, the Japanese government, the, the German government. All these governments are starting to require reporting, but it's not really cracking the nut of this supply chain question and Crowley asking for scope three information from its suppliers. There might be standards coming. (laughs) Haven't really seen any compelling ones yet. (laughs) Um, It is a problem in the industry and everybody knows it.
0: Right. So going back to that future state, Megan, what does that look like for you where you're getting the data you need? You're able to report on it. It's having an impact what's kind of your dream scenario of what that looks like
2: yeah my dream scenario for what that looks like is that (laughs) the inventory is able to really generate itself you know so you know Kevin spoke to getting some of those systems to talk to each other to integrate with each other to integrate to the net zero cloud and that's um, kind of the process that we're in today so we have a number of systems that host these data points that we need in order to, to generate emissions data and pulling those systems into a central location so that we can push data to net zero cloud rather than upload individual spreadsheets and, and that kind of thing. Will make our data better, more complete, and give better decision making both to the sustainability team and leaders across the organization who really really need this data more and more.
1: You know, and Michael, um you know I think to to layer into both of these topics of conversation. I think what it's not a perfect comparison, but I think what you'll start to see over time is more interoperability in the same sense of you know if you think about image file formats. There's, I don't know how many, there's MP3, or no, MPG, and there's JIF and JPEG and TIFF and all sorts of ones. But almost every system yeah. that can read images can read all of them um, mm-hmm. because the vendors who make the software can have you know taught to train their software to read all those different file formats. Um, yeah. There will be something similar that comes out of this world as well over time, but it's really mm-hmm. hard to see the future on that and how that all ends up shaking out. And I don't necessarily think that government reporting standards will drive that. I think the SEC standards will drive a part of it, a small part of it, but there will still be a need for sort of company to company interoperability and how they exchange this kind of data that will just organically um, grow up.
0: Well, it's true across uh, the whole technology industry. There's a lot of automation, but there's still a lot that uh, people have to do. All right, well, let's switch gears a little bit. What advice would you give to a company who's just starting on a sustainability journey right now?
2: just starting out on a sustainability journey is just to start. It's to not get lost in the alphabet soup of of all of the acronyms and all of the standards that are out there. I think it's to find those places that are most meaningful for your company. And that's what a materiality analysis allows you to do is to strategically think about the soup of sustainability and prioritize it both from your stakeholders perspective Perspective and your senior leaders and employees perspectives to create a matrix that allows you to think about things in priorities or buckets. And so, you know, we have a couple environmental issues that rise to the top, a couple social and equity and governance issues that rise to the top. And so that really provides the framework or the the path forward for at least the near term. And then, And then to kind of redo those, those uh, materiality analyses as needed every few years as the world changes and sustainability pressures change and risks change and business changes. But that would be my advice, I guess, is to not try to boil the ocean, not to try to be all things to all stakeholders, but to find those priorities that are really meaningful to your business.
0: Right. Kevin, what, what advice would you give?
1: I mean, what more to add to that that's that was a great answer I mean, um, it's it's if you're just starting it is baby steps, yeah,
0: well, this has been a fantastic conversation. Megan, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you,
2: Michael. It's been a joy,
0: yeah, and Kevin, thanks for coming down.
1: Well, thank
2: you. It's been very fun.
0: That was Megan Atkinson, Director of Sustainability and Regulatory Affairs at Crowley, speaking with Kevin Brains, Senior Director, Product Management on the Net Zero Cloud. To learn more about sustainability and Net Zero Cloud, go to Salesforce.com slash sustainability. Thanks for listening today. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Michael Rebo from Salesforce Studios.